This is so critical for our experience of Christ to continually say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And according to these verses, when you tell the Lord that you love him, he says, I will love you also, and my Father will love you. I will manifest myself to you. And not only that, the Father and I will come to you and make an abode with you. Welcome to Life Study, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study is a study of the Bible emphasizing life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Life Study is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began this ministry in China in the 1920s and continued it until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962. Before we join Witness Lee with today's Life Study of the Gospel of John, we would like to give you our toll-free number through which you may obtain a free copy of today's message. That toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Again, that's 1-888-543-3788. With us on the program again today is Ed Marks. Ed has been an editor with Living Stream Ministry for over 12 years. Ed, again today, we are in John 14, and this has been very renewing to all of us in our understanding of God's purpose related to His going to prepare a place. I wonder if you could give our listeners a brief overview of where we have come thus far. Thus far, we've seen that John 14 is a very mysterious chapter. Uh, In verse 2, the Lord says, "...in my Father's house are many abodes." And this verse has been misinterpreted and misunderstood by many people. What we have seen from the Holy Bible is that the Father's house is the church. 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us the church is the house of the living God. And in the church, which is the Father's house, are many abodes. These many abodes are the many members of the church as the body of Christ who are the many dwelling places of Christ. Each believer in Christ as a member of his body, which is the church as the Father's house, is a dwelling place to Christ. So in the Father's house there are many abodes, and then the Lord told us that he was going to prepare a place for us. Well, this place that he was going to prepare for us was actually a place in God the Father. Because in John fourteen twelve he says, I am going to the Father. And then on the day of resurrection, he tells us in verse 20 of John 14, he says, In that day, which is the day of resurrection, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. It was through Christ's death and resurrection that he brought us into the Father to be where he is. He is also in the Father. So by bringing us into the Father in his resurrection, he prepared a place for us in the Father, and he also made us the many abodes in the Father's house, which is the church as the body of Christ, and that the body of Christ eventually consummates the new Jerusalem, which is the ultimate consummation of the Father's house. So this is the tremendous revelation presented to us in John chapter 14. Thank you, Ed. Now let's join Witness Lee for today's live study message of John 14. 
in chapter 14, the Father is the source, the essence, and the sin becomes the expression, the manifestation. So, as long as man sees the sin, man sees the Father, because the Father is embodied in the sin. But just up to this point, the sin still couldn't get into man. The sin could be among man and could be seen by man, but the sin cannot get into man, cannot enter into man. Then what? Then the sin goes to the cross to pass through the death process. Not only to pass through the death process, but also to pass the resurrection process. By being processed through death and resurrection, the sin's form, the sin's form, was transfigured. He was transfigured from the form of the flesh into the form of the spirit. Just like the big watermelon being brought into the kitchen, passed through the process of cutting, of pressing, the melon was transfigured from a big ball into uh-huh, a large juice. Now, it's so easy for the juice to get into every drinker. Now, the spirit is what? Is the reality the realization of all what the Son and the Father are. Whatever the Father and the Son are is fully realized in the Spirit. And this Spirit reaches us and enters into us and abides in us. Praise the Lord. Now the triune God has been And let's pause here. This is really a good portion in John. I wonder if you could pick up the last point here, where the cross is presented, not just as the place where Christ died for our sins, but as part of the process that he went through that he might get into us. We have to emphasize this point that Christ's intention is to dispense himself into us. In order to dispense himself into us, he had to die a marvelous death on the cross. And most of us believers realize that Christ died for our sins. But we also need to see that he took away every negative thing in the universe so that he could dispense himself into us. There were many things between us and God that needed to be cleared away so that Christ could dispense himself into us and be our very life and everything to us. So the book of John tells us, firstly, that as the Lamb of God, he took away the sin of the world. 
This means he took away the sinful nature and he took away all the sins, the sinful deeds of the world so that he could dispense himself into us. The book of John also tells us that he died as the brass serpent on the cross. This means that when he died on the cross, according to Hebrews 2.14, he destroyed the devil. His death was a devil-destroying death. Romans 8.3 tells us that Christ died on the cross as a man in the flesh. This means that when he died on the cross, he crucified the flesh. Then if we go to Colossians 1.15, we see that when Christ died on the cross, he died as the firstborn of all creation. This means when he went to the cross, he crucified the entire old creation. This is why Romans 6.6 tells us that our old man was crucified with Christ. So Christ terminated the old man and the old creation on the cross. 1 Corinthians 15.45 tells us that Christ is the last Adam. When he died on the cross, Adam was over. He crucified Adam. There's no longer Adam. So he crucified Adam so he could bring us into him as the, as the, as the second man. There are only two men in this universe. There's Adam and there's Christ. Well, Christ came as a man in the old creation to terminate Adam and bring us into himself. Uh, also, Ephesians 2.15 tells us that when he died on the cross, he abolished in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances that he might create peace. And what this verse reveals is that Christ died on the cross as the peacemaker. He destroyed and crucified all the ordinances between the races and between mankind so that he himself could be the peace among men. Finally, John 12:24 tells us that Christ died as a grain of wheat. When a grain of wheat dies, it releases the life within its shell. And when Christ died on the cross, his death was a life-releasing death. When he died, his death released his divine life into us to make us the many grains of wheat who are the many sons of God, the children of God. So we can see just by this brief summary of these verses uh, concerning the death of Christ, how marvelous and all-inclusive his death is to take away every negative thing in the universe and to release the life within Christ so that he himself as our life could be dispensed into us. Ed, how do you relate this life-imparting death to the producing of the abodes? Yes, because he took away every negative thing in the universe and he released his life, he was dispensed into us. Now he abides in us. We are his dwelling place. So we have become his abode. We have become his dwelling place. This means that we are not a motel where Christ drives in and drives out. We are his permanent dwelling place once we receive him into us as our life and Savior. He dwells in us, now we dwell in him. He is our permanent dwelling place. Even in the Psalms, Psalm 90, verse 1, Moses said, Lord, you are our dwelling place in all generations. So his resurrection fulfilled this verse. Now we are his dwelling place, and he is our dwelling place for eternity.
Thank you. Now back to Witness Lee. The living Christ within you all the time speaks. He would never stop his speaking. The word, this living Christ within us, speaks mostly out of ten times, nine times, it's just one word, no. From morning till evening, evening till morning, day and night, nearly in all the things, you would hear he is speaking, no. What kind of commandment is that? No. No. Just keep the commandment of one word with two letters. No. No. If you love him and keep his commandment, I tell you, you'll be loved by the Father and by him. Not only so, the Son, firstly, will manifest himself to the believer. You tell me, whenever you heard that he spoke no, and you took it, what was the result? Right away, the presence of the Lord. If you wouldn't care that it were no, I tell you, you will lose his presence. Whenever you would listen to that word no, and keep that commandment, right away his presence is intensified. And it becomes so sweet, so precious, and so strengthening, and so watering, and so enlightening, and so nourishing. My, that is the manifestation of the indwelling Christ. He is, <laughs> he is indwelling you. He is now dwelling in you. But whether he appears to your sensation or he disappears from your sensation depends upon whether you would listen to his word, no or not. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Where is he? Within you. What is he doing? Speaking no. If you mean business in saying amen, I tell you, you get his manifestation. Anyone that loves me and keeps my commandment, I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Now, we all have to realize in this whole book of John, there are only two requirements. One is that we have to believe in him. The other is that we have to love him. To believe in him is to receive him. And to love him is to enjoy him. I do believe we all have believed in him. And this means we all have received him. But you know, whether we love him or not, this is today's problem. We all have to love him. His presence is always with our loving. The more we love him, the more we enjoy his presence. And what is his presence? That is just enjoyment of himself. As long as we have his presence, we enjoy him. We need to love him. 
the more we love him, the more we have his presence. And his recovery is a recovery of loving the Lord Jesus. Let's break in here at this point, Ed. I like this last phrase. His recovery is a recovery of loving the Lord Jesus. Can you say something about how our obeying him out of our love brings in his presence? I'd like to repeat this phrase that the Lord's recovery is a recovery of loving the Lord Jesus. I really hope that whoever is listening to this broadcast right now would be turned to love the Lord Jesus. As believers in Christ, we need to be his lovers. In John fourteen twenty one, the Lord says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Well, we see from the Gospel of John that firstly we need to believe into Christ. To believe into him and to believe in him is to receive him as our life and our Savior. So believing is for receiving. But to enjoy the person whom we've received, we have to love him. It's not a small thing for us to learn to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I hope that all the believers in Christ would learn to say this repeatedly every day, Lord Jesus, I love you. When we say, Lord Jesus, I love you, according to verse 21, it says, He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This means that when we love the Lord, when we tell the Lord we love him, we enjoy his presence, his manifestation. His promise is that he will manifest himself to us. But the question that you asked, just to develop this further, is, that we need to obey him out of our love. And when we obey him out of our love, this brings in his presence. Well, experientially speaking, when we say, Lord Jesus, I love you, and when we're loving the Lord with our whole being, he speaks his instant words within us. And these instant words are his commandments. Many times, his instant words and his commandments are just one word. And this one word is no. We may want to do something in our flesh or in our natural life. But when we're loving the Lord, he speaks in us instantly and he tells us, no, don't do that. Stay in my presence. If you do that, you'll lose my presence. Well, when we obey him and we go along with his instant commandments, his instant words, which is his instant anointing within us, then when we say amen to his speaking within us, then we enjoy his presence in a more prevailing way. And I would say this, experientially, the Lord's presence within us is his smile within us. We have him in us all the time, but do we have his smile permeating our being? And when we go along with his instant speaking within us to obey his instant commandments, then we enjoy his smile within us all day. And this is what we need to recover. We need a recovery of loving the Lord Jesus and enjoying him in the most intimate and personal way, in the way that we enjoy his smile within our being. Thank you. Now back to Witness Lee. In chapter 14, verse 23, 
Here you have a mutual abode made. Made by what? Made by whom? Made by the appearing of the Father and the Son as the Spirit. In other words, this abode was prepared, was made by the visitation of the triune God. The triune God grants you a visit. And this visitation, I tell you, makes you an abode to him and makes him an abode to you. And eventually, you and he, he and you, will become a mutual abode. You will abide in him, and he will abide in you. It's marvelous. In such a situation, sin has no place. The world has no space. Sin has no ground. The old man, the old flesh, all be chased away. Amen. Let me check with you all. Consider your past experiences. Sometime deep within you, there was a sweet appreciation toward the Lord Jesus. And you would say, Lord, I love you. Then the Lord said, okay, you love me. Uh-huh. This is my commandment. Don't do this. Don't do that. No to this. No to that. And you say, Lord Jesus, Amen. You know, many times we said this to him with tears. Amen, Lord. Amen. What happened? Right away, you have the sensation his manifestation is with you. And you were so much in his presence. Not only so, and you did have the sensation, but that time, I tell you, he was filling you up. What's that? That was, you were abiding in him, and he was abiding in you, and you were an abode to him, and he was an abode to you. Let me tell you, whenever you had that deep sensation that you were in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord was enjoying you to the fullest way, I tell you, but that time, you did have the sensation that you loved every believer. And you did have the realization that you had no problem with anyone. And you were just ready to forgive everyone's fault. What was that? I tell you. That was the building. It is not a matter by organization, nor a matter by regulation, nor a matter by outward teaching. It is altogether a matter by our loving and our experiencing of His manifestation and His abiding with us. Ed, in this final section today, God's purpose 
which is the building of his mutual habitation or abode with man, is connected to our loving enjoyment of him. This is really marvelous. Could you develop this point for us? Yes, we see this point in John 14, verse 23, where the Lord says this. He says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make an abode with him. This Greek word for abode is the same Greek word in verse 2, where the Lord says, In my Father's house are many abodes. The word abode here means dwelling place. Actually, it means a mutual dwelling place. The Father comes to us and makes a mutual dwelling place with us. And, of course, we see this in John 15, where the Lord tells us, Abide in me and I in you. This is a mutual abode. Now, experientially, how can we enjoy abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us? According to this verse, verse 23, it's by loving the Lord that we enjoy this mutual abode. And I would like to say this again. I want all the believers to build up a habit every day of saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. We see from the Bible that we need to call on the Lord, that whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. When you call on this person, you get him. And what's even more precious to say is, Lord Jesus, I love you. If you love a person, surely you should tell him that you love him. And according to these verses, when you tell the Lord that you love him, and when you love him, he says, I will love you also, and my Father will love you. I will manifest myself to you. And not only that, the Father and I will come to you and make an abode with you. This is so critical for our experience of Christ to continually say, Lord Jesus, I love you. In 1 Corinthians 2, this is verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul tells us, he says, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, things which have not come up in man's heart, how much God has prepared for those who love him. So I would just ask you again, We need to tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, constrain me with your love so that I would love you with all my heart. Lord Jesus, I really love you. We need to tell the Lord we love him continually. Then when we love the Lord, God reveals Christ as the depths of God to us in our spirit for our realization and our participation when we are those who love the Lord with our whole being. We need to realize that the Christian life and the church life is a divine romance. We need to be those who are loving the Lord Jesus, telling the Lord, Lord Jesus, I love you. When we do that, then we are abiding in him, and he is abiding in us, and we are fulfilling his eternal purpose to gain an eternal mutual abode of the triune God and the tripartite man in this universe for his glorious expression. Thank you, Ed. I think we can all say today, Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your fellowship. If you would like a free copy of today's Life Study message, call toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or write us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 
1-800-242-9814. Or visit us at our website at www.lsm.org. Our number again is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. The Living Stream Ministry is pleased to announce the publication of a new book, The Overcoming Life, a fresh and accurate translation of messages given by Watchman Nee in 1935. These messages contain the underlying truth that led to Watchman Nee's well-known classic, The Normal Christian Life. This book and other books by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee are available at your local Christian bookstore through Spring Arbor Distributors. Thank you for listening.